Ladies and gentlemen, sit down, relax, undo the buckle of your belt and chill because it's yet another fantastic Geek Bakes podcast, the Geeky Monkey podcast with me, Paul Gannon. And me, Damien St. John. How did you not know I was already in that position already? Well, like, that's my I, default podcast listening position. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, we, it's another episode of Geek Based Trivia based on the magazine Geeky Monkey out now in stores. Um, should we just crack on with it? Yeah, let me just say, though, the new episode of Geeky Monkey, like the new magazine, doesn't the cover look luscious and glossy? And when you flick through the pages, you go, ah, oh. new magazine smell. Oh, I love that smell. That smell of kind of ink and glue yeah i'm sure Ooh. it's bad for you actually you inhale actually, it yeah. too deeply this is why the podcast is good for your health yeah it's a, it's a carbon less footprint kind of podcasty thing yeah apart from all the computers and the travel uh, and the bus that you used to okay uh, moving on yeah. So, uh, yeah, we uh, took uh, a little while off because I did my Ghostbuster special last time. And so it's a bit weird getting back into the conversational kind of uh, chatty chat that we have going so beautifully. Only for you. Only for me. (laughs) It's made no difference to my life. (laughs) It doesn't make any at all. Um, So let's crack on. So let's get this out of the way. So I did my Ghostbusters podcast last month. Well received. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was a labour of love. Um, Let's get out of the way now. Let's review Ghostbusters very quickly because, Christ, I've done it in the magazine. I've done it in the podcast. I shouldn't have done it in the podcast, but, you know, we, we can move on past that now tons of youtube videos are on there now tons of other podcasts and magazines have released it let's get out of the system bottom line is i really liked it and my the thing i can only say is it's definitely the second best ghostbusters movie behind ghostbusters 2 yes oh okay obviously you oh, fool obviously yeah pink slime for the win why am i drippings with goo it's it's a complicated one because what i think it ultimately comes down to it it's a question of tone the new Ghostbusters film. The first film, uh, the original 84, very dry, very wry, and for good or for bad, it did rest a lot of its kind of identity on the shoulders of Bill Murray. And I think when people think of Ghostbusters, they do automatically think of Venkman, that character. Uh, what Paul Feig does, I think, is like spreads that comedy out amongst the four members of the cast. Uh, I really yeah, like it. because I- nobody went, oh, Egon, he's the funny one. No. Or Winston, he's the hilarious one. Yeah, he's the one that never gets put on posters for the movie or very rarely gets put on the DVD covers yeah. as well. I really loved it. I thought its heart was in the right place. I... I'll get the negatives out of the way now because I think I just don't. I've spent a lot of time gushing over this movie, but I do want to say that I think one of the things I uh, didn't like about it was I thought some of the comedy was too broad at times, a groin punch, a fart gag, things like that. Uh, some of the cameos didn't quite work because I think they did take you out of the movie. I thought um, Dan Aykroyd's character, uh, the ca- taxi driver, that was a weird cameo. Mm. Annie Potts, if you didn't know that it was Annie Potts, you would never. Oh, have I known. loved hers though because I didn't see that coming. No, I didn't I know. see it coming at all. And I think Bill Murray. It was it was surprising that he had the biggest cameo of them all, and he got to finally do what he always wanted to do in a Ghostbusters movie, Die? which was be, to be killed off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, allegedly um, he was going to be one of the ghosts in the final ghost montage when yeah. Times Square gets swamped. But they uh, he, by then he was on a golf course. Yeah, I mean I liked seeing Bill Murray, but I was disappointed with his cameo. It was it because, was because but this is the thing is you come I don't mind you switching gender or doing a broad comedy instead of a specific character, but if you're going to go for Bill Murray. That is literally just a tick to have him in the film. Yeah. Because he was the character, he was the the comedy, the light relief in the first two. Mm. And in this one, he's not. In this one, he's playing like an anti-character, which might please him and his ego. Yeah. But it's like, you're going, people are paying to see you. 
Mm. Do something funny. Do a dance. I'm throwing my £10 at you. Make me laugh. Yeah, but I think, you know what I think he was trying to do in that role? I think he was trying to be Walter Peck. I think he didn't want to be a comedy character, despite the fact that his character... Don't is... be in the movie. It's a comedy movie. Yeah. Chris Hemsworth was funnier in, in New Ghostbusters than Bill Murray, and that should never be a thing. Oh, well, I'll tell you what, I will say this for Chris Hemsworth. Surprisingly brilliant comedian in my, that. My stunt double. Yes. Yeah, I know. Uh, I heard your interview with Paul Feig, by yeah. the way. Very, yeah, very yeah. good. Um, good. But... Yeah, I think it was a bit. Uh, I think that was the biggest letdown. And actually, my favourite cameo was uh, Ernie Hudson. Right at the very end. Yeah, because yeah. he was just like he was just in it as a guy. He didn't need to like fold himself in half and play a you know an alternative version of himself. No, he didn't need to have any clever lines. He was just I'm I'm in it. Yeah. I'm in it. I'm in it. Look, I'm in it. I did it. So yeah, the cameo was a bit of a contentious point, yeah. but it was nice. It was kind of a, a loving touch. Um, I thought the character of Rowan, the villain, yeah. we needed more time with him because I liked the fact that the villain in this movie wasn't a god or a demigod or some kind of outside ephemeral force. It was like an angry guy who wanted to use the same signs the Ghostbusters were using to destroy the world because he was bitter. He was an internet troll. Yeah, he was an internet troll, basically, but he had no access to the internet, apparently. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he was just a guy who had a mirror. Um, it would have been nice to spend some time with him, I think, uh, just because I think we needed that. Maybe. I, I was, I'm against introducing your villain too early in the film because actually when you get to the set piece, if you've had him in there yeah. from the first sort of 20 minutes, like when you get to two hours, you go, oh, like... Yeah. What you can dial it up, you can throw in some more ghosts and you can stick in a portal to a different universe. But if you're going to if you're going to make me spend an hour and a half with that character, mm. I want that character to do something at the end. Yeah. That is uh, that puts everyone really in peril and I didn't really get like a peril vibe. I, I definitely agree with you there. I didn't think when they built to that finale, yeah. the peril wasn't quite there. And I think that's what in Ghostbusters 2 you don't really... They go, oh, New York's angry. Let's stop New York from being angry. And you go, <sighs> that's not really peril. No. But the, but the first one, end of the world, we don't know who's causing it. And then you go, it's Zool. Yeah. You go, oh my God, Zool. It's come at you at such a late stage in the movie. You haven't been able to measure it. So you're, you're naturally terrified. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a broad exaggeration, but it's kind of like a chess moves piece where you, yeah. the villain exists in that film from the beginning, but you don't see him. There's no you, there's no visualisation of that. But, thing. but the key master and gatekeeper are the pawns being yeah. moved around the board. Like Christoph Waltz Inspector, when actually does something, you go, oh, is that it? Yeah, a God chair? almighty. A chair? A chair with a drill. My dad's got one of them. A dentist? <laughs> yeah, he was an evil dentist. Spec- <laughs> Blofeld should not be an evil dentist. I shall give you a filling with no Novocaine. Oh, but yeah, Mr no, look, Bond. I enjoyed it, and the kids aren't going to watch it at that level. The no. amount of times we've watched Ghostbusters as kids and teenagers and never viewed it with a pair of adult eyes, it's great to be able to just watch a movie and go, that one's my favourite, yeah. I'm going to watch it a hundred times. And that, that was, I think, for all the little things I had problems with... Uh, what I think made me fall in love with the film was not so much the film itself, but the audiences I was watching it with. The first time I saw it, the t- very early test screening, uh, it was just a few journalists in a small room at Sony. When I saw Did it, it again... smell? No, it was, I, I've been in that... They keep it well clean. Good. Yeah, it's nice. It's I'm always, I think more than two men in a room, it really starts to stink. Yeah, I, I've got It really a, does. Yeah, it really does. The aroma from everyone's jeans kind of comes out the and thing clings is, to the walls. The thing is, when I was in that <laughs> screening, you can tell the difference between like the guys who work for Empire or the, the Daily Telegraph or whatever, yeah. and then the guys who are on their own movie website because they're the guys who dress like my dad going fishing on a Sunday. <laughs> Wet waders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, the, the, the faded T-shirt, yeah. the, the grotty denim jacket, yeah. all those kind of things. Um, it was the audience because when I saw it with you when we got the uh, FDA screening the kids 
were so into it and loving it. Yeah. And they were getting behind. And there was two kids sitting next to me. And my first opinion was, oh, hey, kids, shoot, they better shut up while my film's on. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they loved it. They were grabbing their mum when the scary bits happened. They were cheering at the end when, you know, you know yeah. that moment where Gillian, played by Kate McKinnon, does yeah. that one moment where she gets all her little tools out and yeah. fights her way through Times Square. It's Mike, like a Power Ranger, a Ninja Turtle or something. It was. It might be, across all three films and the cartoon series, my yeah. favourite Ghostbusters moment because oh. it's something I've never seen in a Ghostbusters film before. Wanted to see. Here's a woman who's not dressed up like Wonder Woman with her boobs pushed out with a boob window and knee-high kind of trouser hmm. pant things. She was kicking ass and the music that folded in the Ghostbusters score yeah. into it, it, it took my breath away. And when I saw it with Amelia, my partner, um, she said that moment made her well up because she'd never seen a woman superhero represented that way on her own terms, kicking ass. And I was like, yeah, that's why this film is important. So, bottom line... Yeah, but you're, young girls are going to see this movie, six and seven. You, mm. you probably didn't take a six or seven-year-old girl in the 80s to see Ghostbusters. No, and that actually now leads me to... To wrap up, four out of five is what yeah. I put in the magazine, oh, and I'll go into a bit more detail okay. there. What would you give it, actually? Because I think you're going to take three out of five, yeah, aren't you? No. I give it a five because really? I, I like that I'm a cynical 30-something man that has his own opinions and I go, I wouldn't do that, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. But ultimately, the movie is not for the movie is not for anyone. You decide if you like it or you don't like it. Mm. It's not for a specific person, but it did, it's doing a lot for gender equality. And you can argue that makes it a worthy film when it should just be a popcorn fest that you yeah. can just not have to think about too much but it comes back to the kids and i think kids will give it five out of five it's a movie that deserves to be five out of five in its target demo yeah which is the kids i mean i've seen not grumpy old gits no you know as i say it it is for that audience that when i was seven or six or whenever it was when i saw it it was kind of like that must have been their moment i hope it was their moment for them that i had in 1984 when i saw it that sense of i love this world these characters and i want to see more of it i think that's what i just said yeah (laughs) I know. Oh, I so moving on, you moving on, moving on. Uh, so moving on to my story, actually. So I, I posted this on Facebook in a long diatribe. But last week I was in London. I popped into Dolly Smith just to kill some time. You know, just to look for the magazines. It's and great, stuff. isn't it? They got loads of loads of books and cards yeah, they have lo- and lots of books and pens, magazines, board oh, what games. A great time wasting place. Anyway, so I popped in there and I thought, oh, there's a Ghostbusters sticker book for kids. I might yeah. see if it's not too costly and I can buy it now. So I went, you know, wheedled my way. Wheedled is a proper word. Wheedled my way through Dolly Smiths and eventually found where the kids' sticker books are. And eventually you realise I'm a grown man on my own in a child's book section. You're buying it for your nephew. Well, that's kind of where this story developed because I'm looking. And as I'm looking on the shelves, you see Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Pixar, 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 Lego, 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 Lego. I'm thinking, come on, please let them have Ghostbusters. There's a dance song in there somewhere. There is. If anyone wants to remix this and put it out, we will will add it to the next time show. Um, I hear this voice, this female voice, very stern, saying, excuse me. I ignored it because I didn't yeah. presume it was directed towards me. And then, because I was wearing earphones at the time, I felt my earphones be pulled out of my ears. And the voice goes, excuse me. Wow. And I then I turned around. How dare you wear your headphones in WH Smith? Well, I turned around, a bit pissed off, looking yeah. to have a fight. And then I saw this very typical middle-class London kind of uh, mother with her daughter on one of those horrible leashes I hate seeing. You know when they have a kid on a leash and it's like it looks like a yeah. dog or a yeah. pet? Yeah. And she goes, what are you doing here? And then I was like... I'm a grown man looking for kids' books. So I kind of lied to offset some of, you know, 
the accusations because let's be honest in this day and age because of the media and the outcry yeah. I, I'm seen as a paedophile right now in her eyes probably well, yeah, I'm on the groom well, well what narrow minded eyes does she have that she feels she has the right to go up to somebody your child is on a rope no one's taking it <laughs> no. you're covered love yeah. you're sorted yeah so I said oh, uh, well I went to see Ghostbusters with my niece and she really loved it and I know there's a sticker book and I was just looking for it yeah. and she said to me I hardly think a young girl would like Ghostbusters. Double prejudice. What well, a cow. Well, then then I turned around and said to her, well, you do know the new Ghostbusters film that came out, it stars women. Yeah. And again, my niece liked it. And she went, even if that's true, why would it? <laughs> that sounds like a lie. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I'm making this up on the spot. Even if that's true, what are you doing here? And so I'm now fish. I had to prove my existence to her. There's two words I would give to her, and I would actually say them very politely, like, it's none of your business, John. Oh, I didn't want to kick off. But then luckily, my eyesight caught the famous No Ghost logo. I pulled the sticker book off the wall. I was like, look, look, proof, evidence that I'm not a kiddie fiddler, (laughs) you know. (laughs) And I'm showing her the pictures of all the Ghostbusters, (laughs) and I'm showing her the thing. And then you can tell she's trying to think of some other snarky little remark. Even if that's true. Yeah. It's true. But anyway. And then her leash gets pulled, and she turns towards her daughter and her daughter's holding a Mr. Man book up and she goes you know basically can I get this yeah. and the mother goes no put that down what about the Barbie one next to it and I just wanted to say let the kid yeah, explore what she wants it just made me sad and then I was thinking should I buy that book out of spite for the kid Yeah. but then I thought no because then that does look like I'm offering a bag of sweets no. to come to my white best van best thing to do is to take that story and slate her on a podcast she'll never listen to Yeah. and it's a social win yeah it is I feel morally yeah. upstanding as a result of this bitter rant it just upset me not only to be accused yeah, of, of a paedophile because I'm standing in an aisle that she deems inappropriate <laughs> but also because she didn't want her daughter to explore things that kid was interested in even if that's true even if that's true <laughs> yeah I'm going to invent the fact that there's a multi-million dollar yeah. blockbuster that you're not interested in. In order to convince you I'm not a child snatcher, yeah. I've gone with the elaborate uh, theory that Ghostbusters are women now. Yeah, it's crazy. Even if that's true. Even Shut if that- up. Anyway, to conclude, Ghostbusters will be out on Blu-ray in a few months and apparently it's going to have 20 minutes extra footage director's cut yep. thrown in. So oh, Amazing. You get the full dan- the Chris Hemsworth dancing because they cut-, cut that, didn't they? I'm glad they did. I don't think they're going to cut it back in, but no. they might put it as a separate thing yeah. as a deleted scene. Yeah. But um, yeah, and as a result of now, no more Ghostbusters will ever come out of my mouth for at least three months. I promise you that now. I'll hold you to that. Or I might just hold you. Right, now, uh, let's move on to something you've seen and I've not. Yeah. Star Trek Beyond. Yeah, interesting movie. Like, I feel obliged. I don't know how uh, other... I wouldn't call myself a Trekker. I think I used to in my teenage years. But okay. it'd be interesting to see lapsed Star Trek fans that go to the, see the movie every couple of years, but beyond that, they don't consume any... Other kind of geek yeah, media or something. Yeah, it's okay. not there. They're not, you know, it's not on the Sky Plus or whatever. So I feel brand loyal to go and see the movies. Okay. Because I like the characters. And I like seeing the Starship Enterprise. And I love st- when stuff's blown up. Like those Doctor Who episodes where you see the TARDIS in peril. Yeah. And it gets destroyed and you go, let's see how you cope without your fancy ship. I love that. <laughs> um, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think when I initially came out of it, I was disappointed. Because there's n- like the dialogue. They Somebody told me that the dialogue in American movies... Mm. Oh, those Americans! The dialogue in was, American movies is that your American accent, by the way? Uh, yeah, no, it's like a ru- like a Russian. It did sound like a chip Cold shop War. owner. Yeah, <laughs> they, they told me the dialogue in American movies is less. There's less dialogue than in most other movies, like sort of English movies. Okay, or, uh, you know, the, wherever movies come from. Yeah, and the Americans rely on 
seeing rather than telling. Yeah. So it's going to be a short script for a movie like Star Trek because you're going to get sweeping vistas of Yorktown, which is like their version Actually, of Deep Space Nine. T- Give me a quick idea of the plot, because I don't know. I'm not over oh, there. Is that what you so. wanted? Okay. No, no, because I just don't know, and I don't know if you're going to go into points what you're so referring to. So they're on uh, the, the, uh, the continuing mission. It's year three or five of, okay, their, cool. of their deep space mission. So they've met that weird baby monster in, yeah. that had psychic yeah. powers. And, and they dock in a Deep Space Nine-type place called Yorktown, which okay. looks stunning. I mean, I know they've got investment for this movie. When you watch the opening credits, you'll be like, it's like Korea or China or something like that. Mm. The best of the three special effects is written this movie oh, okay, compared cool. to the other two. And they're they're really good. Hmm. But to be able to take somewhere like Yorktown, which is like an Inception-style... Utopian yeah, kind of thing. Okay, just look beautiful. Anyway, so they dock there, and then they get some sort of distress signal, and hmm. they go and investigate it through a nebula. There's oh, always there's a always nebula. a nebula. And they get to the nebula, and uh, the ship gets attacked and blown apart, and they have to... The Enterprise gets blown up again? It does. It gets blown apart, and they have no. to jump into their little uh, cockpit ships... And anyway, they're... Escape pods. They're, they're, that's it. <laughs> I just want to say cockpit. I know. They're marooned. Yeah. And uh, yes, yeah, Idris Elba's character. He's the main bad guy with lots oh. of makeup. Of course. In this movie. And I don't want to spoil the rest of it, but it's it puts them in jeopardy. It puts them in that peril. But it, for, for my money, it just took a long time to put them into peril. And mm-hmm. the dialogue, the opening stuff is like really hammy and yeah. tired. And you don't feel the characters are talking. They're just... It's like they're doing a line and then looking at the camera and winking. Okay. Because okay. um, this is the 50th anniversary special yeah. movie. Does it feel like that? Yeah, it does. It does. I think I was just cynical going into it because it's just slow at the beginning. They're setting it up. Okay. And you have to, in a movie, you have to set up the environment and then you have to smash it with a sledgehammer mm. and break it apart. You have to. Yeah. But it was just a bit schmaltzy and a bit kind of at the beginning. But okay. yeah, you'll love it. You will love it. Because I'm not a huge Trek fan, and yeah. I enjoyed the reboot, and obviously Wrath of Khan I like, and there are bits of Spock, Search for Spock I enjoy, and as as goofy fun, the Voyage Home's all right. Yeah. Uh, five is a whole heap of awful. Did you say you like the Wrath of Khan? Yeah. Don't even ask me why I have I, that. I, I never will. I never will. Um, yeah, no, it's, it, I've had a passing interest in yeah. Trek rather than I care about it, if that makes sense. So yeah. Reboot, I liked. Star Trek Into Darkness had one or two excellent moments, but by and large, awful, awful tripe. Yeah, I didn't like it because I'm over Benedict Cumberbatch. It was I, just yeah, the whole 9-11 truther kind of mm. subtext to it, which I thought it was deplorable. And it's interesting because I watched it on the same day that I watched Star Trek through The Search for Spock on yeah. Sci-Fi Channel. So I was watching Star Trek 3, and then I was off to go and see Star Trek 3. Yeah. And I was kind of, well, how does it fit? Does it dovetail? And it, it does, because it's the year, it's the third year of their five-year mission. Okay. So chronologically, the next movie will be, although I heard the next movie is going to be a prequel, because it's Chris Hemsworth. I think it's a time travel movie, to be honest, yeah. from what I've heard. So th- that will be set in year four, but also go back. Before yeah. year so one. So I think this is a five-movie spin that they're doing on these Star Trek movies. So... Um, But, yeah, you'll like it. It's it's a lot of nods to the old Star Trek universe. And uh, someone said to me, actually a few people have said, Simon Pegg wrote it, is it funny? (laughs) Right. And I go, do not expect Shaun of the Dead in space. Do not expect Spaced. Do not expect uh, any of his work. Actually, it's really not funny. Is it a kind of typical blockbustery kind of script? So well written, but doesn't break any moulds. Simon Pegg has written a Star Trek movie. Simon okay. Pegg has not written a Simon Pegg movie. 
that's you know so something. The the brief moments, the flickers of humour you do get are good. Yeah. But don't think it's going to be a caper or a jaunt. Okay. Or a sojourn. It's peril, man. Mm. It's danger. Good. Yeah. So yeah, I give it four stars. Justin Lin, director. Came in from Fast and the Furious, obviously a big Star Trek fan, apparently. Uh, uh, yeah. He did some interesting things, I've heard. He did the warp drive, interestingly. I don't know. I'm just saying, what, as a director, what did he bring to it that J.J. Abrams did, apart from maybe 80% less lens flow? What does he do? He's an action guy, right? True. So, so but... you've got to, his forte yeah. would be doing, in a movie like this, which is a typical action-adventure blockbuster, hmm. it's not a film noir, no. it's not an indie film, so from his box of skills, he's got to go, right, it's got to be action-adventure. Because here's the thing I will say. One of the reasons why people like Justin Lin is because when he came to the Fast and Furious franchise, what yeah. he did was he remodelled it so it became like a family film, which is why those cast and those characters after four or five all you know aimless films came together and became car heist movies. And people yeah. kind of put a lot of the success of those movies Difficulty on is, him. It's hard in this one to credit any of that work to him because it's already established. We're so familiar with True. these characters in this universe that he can't do that. Okay. But he can he can reinforce it, and I think he does actually. The, yeah. the, there is that whole uh, you know together stronger mm. message or whatever Wales used in Euro twenty sixteen, <laughs> Viva Forever or something like that. Yeah. Um, now it could, anyone could have directed it. To be fair, I'm not a huge fan of his work. I don't slate it. No, no. But, but... it's it that th- this is what Abrams does: set up a franchise, give you the bits. Mm. Here's the kit. Add a few nuances if you like, okay. and then move on. So, so could where, be anyone. where would you rank it then in the reboot strata? It's got to be better than Into Darkness. So already we know it's going to be one or two in the list. Yeah, I think it's second. Okay. I mean, because the first one was the first one. Yeah. And you you are setting it all up. And you had Spock in the first one. You had old Spock and new Spock. Yeah. Um, Spock yeah. light and Spock yeah. zero. Spock, yeah, <laughs> diet Spock. Diet Spock. Spock up. Yeah. Spock, <laughs> Spock up. Yeah. That sounds like sort of a sex act. Cherry Spock. <laughs> Um, All right then. So yeah, what yeah, did you no, say? It's good. Like you go, but the, the idea is you're going to watch these movies ad nauseum until another one comes along. So yeah, see it four or five times. Yeah, it's all good. It, um, they're not trying to better the one before. It's just a continuation of how can we re-deliver what we delivered so fans know what they're getting. Okay, and that is both the beauty and the downfall of big Hollywood blockbusters. Yeah, torn between do we detonate it and start again with a blank sheet of paper. Or do we just carry on because it worked the last time? And I think the latter tends to be true. Unless for contractual reasons, they have to hire a new Spider-Man. <laughs> or, jo- or George Clooney was terrible as Batman. That's yeah. the only th- reason why things change in Hollywood. Yeah. The amount of reboots, they were looking at the the list of sequels. We talked about this, the list of sequels did, yeah. uh, that Sony have on their slate. Mm. is incredible. I mean, every studio, yeah. every studio... And you look at Warner and DC and, and, and Marvel and what they've yeah. got planned for the next 20,000 years. But what's, uh, you know, Sony is Bond and... Most, and possibly Ghostbusters now. Well, I mean, that's ho- about it. Yeah, but Warner Brothers, uh, Harry Potter, Di- the... Disney, Star Wars, Pixar, Finding Dory. Yeah. Um, Marvel, now their own thing. Yeah, pretty much. You know, so everyone's looking for a franchise, mm. and the front you you don't you don't f with the franchise. No, you don't. Should be on a t-shirt somewhere. Don't f with my franchise. Yeah. <laughs> right, it's at this time of the podcast where we invite Claire onto Skype, and me and her have a bit of a geek rant. So, Claire and Paul, what are you ranting about this episode? Thank 
thank you, Paul. So once again, I am now talking to Claire, one of the writers of the Geeky Monkey magazine. Hello, Claire. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am all right. We talked off air about my life, so we won't do it here. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm trying to do that thing where I think in previous podcasts, okay, well, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. And then it gets awkward. So yeah. let's just leave it at that. We're both good. Yeah, we are completely fine. We don't need to scratch that itch. And your life is obviously fantastic. Always. Yeah. It's fantastic hiding tears of a clown. Anyway, <laughs> So I thought what we'd do today is we'd cover uh, Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con, which finished a uh, week or so ago, and just go through what enticed us, what rejected us, and, and everything in between. So, starting with that in mind, Claire, what tickled your fancy this Comic-Con? I was very surprised that I actually fell in love with the Wonder Woman trailer. Oh, uh, Okay. Now, okay, I'm sort of maybe not happy. Well, no, I'm not. See, I'm just not sure about Warner Brothers. Obviously, I think we've talked about in the past about Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, or whatever. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was rubbish. I just, yeah, I quite enjoyed that Wonder Woman trailer. I just thought it looked quite elegant. It looked like a proper story. The jokes and the quips in there weren't too heavy, weren't too light. It was just, it just looked like it was well, a well-written, well-rounded film from what I could see from the trailer. Yeah. Um, I was very sceptical when she, I mean, I'm sceptical in general. I say this all the time. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's a common trope. <laughs> I basically wander through life as a cynical, sceptical bastard. I'm getting old. <laughs> um, actually, I've been like this since I was about 16. But anyway, um, yeah, I just... Well, I actually got cast Gal Gadot or Gal Gadot um, as Wonder Woman. I wasn't too sure. Um, she's an ex-model and things. She looked a bit sort of mm, a bit lean for the role. Bit lean. You could yeah, she didn't look Amazonian to me, but I think she's really, really great. And she was the highlight of Batman v Superman for me. I just thought she had an elegance and a grace about her, which I think Wonder Woman should also have, as well as being tough as shit, basically. Yeah. Um, and she was a real highlight. I wish they'd given her more lines in that film. But yeah, Wonder Woman looked amazing. I, I'm really quite excited by that one. It looks like a proper film and not just popcorn well, fodder. Was, yeah, it was interesting that when they did initial um, uh, when they did initial kind of interviews for that, everyone was saying, "Oh, it's gritty and it's adult and it's dark." But the trailer seems to be a lot more lighter in touch, and it seemed obviously they had the humor in the right place because there were some nice little lines in there. You know, obviously about the gender thing. And yeah. and her not understanding the world of men, and that was really great. So it looks like I don't know either. Either they were kind of overselling it to kind of fit in with the message that Superman and Batman was on at the time, but actually the film's going to be very. I mean, obviously the color palette's more than brown, blue, and silver, so that's great for a start. <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, no, I, I completely. I, yeah, when I think of Zack Snyder's films, I do think of those colors. It's great that you've actually highlight that yeah it's actually it looks like a proper film well, that it was, looks good well that was the other thing i was going to mention they showed did you see the justice league uh preview trailer-esque thing they threw together yes i did i was yeah what do you i think? mean because i in in that two and a half minutes there were more laughs more interesting characters and more things i was like oh i could maybe enjoy this than there was in the whole of that two and a half hour batman versus superman movie Oh, God. I mean, yes. Okay, so I'm a bit confused. Not confused, but I feel like a split in half about that Justice League uh, teaser. Okay. So, on one hand, I see what they're doing. They've, you know, the studio have slapped Zack Snyder on the wrist and gone, bad, bad Zack. Bad <laughs> uh, I know, wish I they had of, done that. Yeah, and they've kind of, I, I just, I don't know if they have or not, or maybe they're just highlighting the only quips that will be in the movie just to kind of get people interested. Yeah. But they fell, on one hand, I kind of thought, yeah, cool. I thought Aquaman looked great. 
Um, obviously, he looks very different from what he does in the comics. Yeah. Uh, with Jason Momoa in the lead role. Um, I thought, uh, actually, Cyborg, The Flash, they all looked really good. And Batman's obviously bringing the team together. But I just felt like the quips and the jokes were a bit hammy and too forced. Yeah, but you know what? I would take that over what we got in May. I I really would. It's not as if... I mean, the thing is, they released the director's cut, apparently... I mean, not apparently, they did. I saw it. It's a physical thing. (laughs) They released the director's (laughs) cut of Batman vs. Superman. And the reviews of that were saying, oh, it gives a little bit more breathing space to this scene and that character. But ultimately, it does shit the bed in the last hour of that film. Still, that never changes. I just kind of wonder if maybe with this Justice League, they are looking at the Avengers model and going, yeah, maybe we do need a bit of levity in, in some respect. Yeah, I think so. I mean, as we all know, Marvel are absolutely killing it. And I'm yeah. not a fan of every single film that Marvel has put out. Um, but the films just work better. It just doesn't feel like Warner sort of has a good balance. Anyway, you know what? I'll take, I take that. I will take that. And I completely agree with you. I'm, I'm looking forward to Justice League because I like superhero films. Yeah. Whether people think that there's too many of them or not. I'm a bit addicted, like you're addicted to Ghostbusters. I yeah. just love them. I just wanted to mention right now, I've legally contractually obliged myself to never talk about Ghostbusters again. So uh, I'll, I'll just say yes and then move on. <laughs> <laughs> I've burnt myself out. Uh, yeah, okay, that's fine. We'll move on from that. <laughs> Good. I won't meander into the Ghostbusters world. Uh, but, you know, I'm kind of, I, I don't know. I just don't feel it. I don't feel this heart and spirit. Interesting they haven't, put man of uh man of steel uh superman into that trailer at all he mm. wasn't even in the teaser it was really about bringing the team together wonder woman wasn't really even in it as well only like you maybe see her for a second yeah so it really was about introducing the flash um cyborg and yeah Aquaman. And, you know fine it's fine it was fine i'm not gonna say it was terrible it was just it, it looks like it's course correcting in in the right way whether it'll win over people who've been burnt by it we don't know but at least it looks like they're taking the criticism on board and attempting to change the course of the ship yeah i think so i think um the studio are probably going to get a nice pleasant surprise when they see that wonder room probably does better than what i feel my predictions are that wonder Woman will be the water film out of that stable of films, it'll probably be one of the, the most critically acclaimed and possibly do much better out of all of them. Yeah. So, and I did what, I read a big, big article actually recently online. It was about how, and I don't want to bring it down to gender necessarily, but how well-written female-led films are actually killing it at the box office way more than the kind of like shitty, blokey, laddie, buddy films we've seen in the last 15 years. So I thought that was quite interesting. I just think well-rounded characters. You know, yeah. Because I think it, it's getting to that point now where it's not so much about overcompensating and pleasing the feminazis, which people seem to complain about online, but it's more about representation in modern Hollywood movies that is a lot more fair and balanced. And I think that makes sense. Yeah, I completely, completely think that makes sense. I just feel that genders have to be, I mean, when you're writing for each gender, that has to be written in a balanced, fair way. Um, same with people of different sexualities and races. I just think well-written characters, and we can slowly see it coming into Hollywood now. We're getting well-written female characters. Um, we're having different sexualities um, creeping into films as well, but not written in an obvious way. We're stereotyped yeah. in a way. I think it's good. Obviously, there's a big hoo-ha about um, Star Trek recently, Sulu being gay in the new film. Oh, of uh, course, yeah. 
But I'm not see. I can't comment on that too much. All I read was that it's just implied that he is, and it's not like, hey, I'm gay. Hey, you know. And I think that's that's the right way to go. Yeah, there's no kind of queer as folk style raunchy sex scene with Sulu and his husband. That imagining that is where <laughs> yeah. Star Trek Beyond, you know, <laughs> it doesn't go that far beyond. <laughs> I can't, yeah, like a kind of Star Trek Riker-esque scene, except with two characters. Kind of oh dear, <laughs> I can already see the fan fiction now. Oh my god, I, I just kind of feel like in about 50 to 100 years time we're going to look back on, now I'm going to mention Ghostbusters again, you go don't on. have to say anything, but I think we're going to look back on it this time and go, god, why did people make such a big deal about that? Isn't it kind of stupid? And I kind of, I'm looking forward to that time. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm hoping that that's where we end up with that. So let's touch, touch on Marvel briefly, because as I say, Marvel uh, kind of don't need anyone's help at the moment they're doing completely fine uh it's doctor strange the trailer for that came out um i saw it um I, th- I think we were talking about this off air but i'll just mention it now it's like none of these films look bad none of these films look awful what i will say is i've kind of gotten to that point me personally was like yeah it's fine I, I, i'm not interested i'm sure yeah. it's great it's I, I saw the kind of inception-esque um doctor strange stuff and it looked nice but i was thinking i don't know if i'm gonna go to cinema and see that yeah i mean I'm a sucker for it, so I'm going to drag my poor husband along <laughs> to see that. Every single one that comes out is like, do we have to? Yes, yeah. yes, we must. So, with Doctor Strange, I get what you mean, though. I do get what you mean. Now, first of all, I'm not a huge Doctor Strange fan in the you know in the comic book world. Yeah. Not really read a lot, so I'm kind of looking at this with quite fresh eyes, just as a film. I like the trippiness of it. Yes, it looks very inceptiony. It looks very different from a lot of the other Marvel films because it looks like that. Yeah. It's grounded in our world, but it's not in space, but it's in some weird, you know, you've got like some magical, interdimensional, ridiculous CGI nonsense happening. It looks a bit, it looks quite cool, I guess. Yeah. But and I'm sure I it'll be a stoner movie of the future. It'll be that kind of thing that people will take a lot of mescaline and enjoy yeah. <laughs> at some point in the future. Yeah, and start trying to like stick their heads through like cement or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I just kind of, I'm not too bothered by Doctor Strange. I will go and see it in the cinema. But for me, it's kind of got that, it's an orange, it's the, an orange story. It's an origin story. <laughs> no, I want to say an orange story now. <laughs> it's an origin story of a character that Marvel are introducing into their the fabric of their universe. So we kind of know what to expect. Yeah. Um, and it's the same with the comics. It's like average guy, um, decent enough bloke, something happens to him. He goes on a journey, comes out, a superhero saves the world. So yeah. that's pretty much it. I've sort of probably described that, <laughs> that story. It, in it's the ingredients are the same, but the flavor's different, I think, is what it comes down to, isn't it? It's like it's the same as Ant Man, the same as Iron Man. Um, as I say, origin stories are always the worst ones to get out the way, simply because you do spend so much time in building that universe. Necessarily, it's not like it's a complaint, it's just that's how things roll. But, yeah, you do end up spending a lot of money and time making a film about the film you're going to make next. Yeah, yeah, that's and this is the thing, although I kinda, I'm going to forgive it a little bit with Wonder Woman, just because I don't think this is an origin story people expect. I mean, she's an Amazonian, mm. like... Where does she come from? Like this world of women, like what is it all about? Why is Chris Pine's character like washed up on, on a beach somewhere? You know, so I think that's a bit more interesting. With Doctor Strange, we have seen that Marvel origin story again and again and again. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a bit overdone. But I, I definitely am interested, just not 
that excited. That's fair enough. No, I saw the trailer for American Gods, though, which intrigued oh, me. Oh, all right, talk about that then, because I've never read American Gods. All I know is that everyone raves about it. It's Neil Gaiman's novel, isn't it? So... Yes, it is. It is. Now, I've not read Neil Gaiman's novel. I am a Neil Gaiman fan, though, but I've not read this particular novel, and it looks really incredible. It starts off, and it just looks like a normal, gritty TV show. Mm. And then it becomes a little bit different and otherworldly. Yeah. And it's very intriguing. Now, I've spoken to a few friends who are fans of American Gods um, and Neil Gaiman already, and they say it looks great. And for people that aren't a sort of fan and don't know anything about Neil Gaiman, they're quite intrigued. So this is one I'm really looking forward to. More than before Preacher came out or anything, yeah. I actually think this one will be quite good because I think Preacher and things, for me, aren't been great. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to American Gods a lot. And obviously the Defenders as well. So there's like a little mini teaser for the Defenders. That'll be interesting, I think, as well. That uh, will be quite interesting. And Iron Fist. Um, pardon? Oh, the character. Yeah. I thought, you said, I thought you said, I am a fist. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I am a fist. Actually, this is like a good TV show. Um, Iron <laughs> Fist is, um, it looks really good, actually. It looks really, really good. And I don't have, I'm not really very clued in with Iron Fist um or look cage to be honest with you that part of marvel is a bit dark for me yeah That's, i don't have a lot of knowledge about it but i think both look really good like i'm really excited one thing i was confused about yeah was and i'm just hurtling through the tv stuff here but um we've got legion which sits in the x-men universe oh yeah it's now, like, he's like meant to be the ultimate x-man because he's got every single power up under the sun or something stupid like that yeah, it's a strange one. I don't know what they're doing with it. It looks grittier. It looks um, more realistic. It doesn't look like the films at all. Um, I spoke to a, a huge uh, X-Men um, fan who's a, a good friend of mine, and he was like, I'm confused. I don't know what they're doing with this. I've read that Legion sit, sits in the X-Men universe, but slightly to the left of it. Okay. <laughs> so I'm not sure what that means. It did look intriguing enough for me to probably check out a couple of episodes, but it looks like a strange one. Um, and then also Ghost Rider was confirmed for... for yeah, for uh, Agent of Seal. That was a real left hand, you know, left turn in many respects. That was like crazy. Considering they've not been able to get that character right in movies, it's interesting they're bringing it into the TV show. Yeah, I think the best way to probably deal with Ghost Rider in the TV show anyway is to... Um, not actually show the CGI kind of skull, flaming skull kind of head too much and just imply that something's wrong with him. Yeah. It seems <laughs> like he's a bit like a kind of supernatural punisher in many respects, you know? He's he's got that kind of angle to him in the t- with what they yeah. have planned. Um yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, look, as I say, it's like I, I get more choosy now with my geek kind of pop culture, and so the things that excited me about um Comic-Con were the things that I don't think a lot of people cared about. Like, I got really excited when they revealed the new horror film called The Woods. Is actually, surprise, it's a new Blair Witch movie. And I was like, oi! That looked good, actually. Apparently, the reviews of it, the early reviews, have been amazing for it. And I was a huge fan of the Blair Witch movie when it came out originally, and I got deep into the mythology of it. And the guy who directed it, Alan Wingard, I want to say, without my notes in front of me, he directed uh, two films which were highly recommended called uh, Your Next and or Their Next and uh, The Guest. Yes, The Guest is a great film. Yeah, and so they people, people like him because he kind of takes what you recognise and twists it on his head. I can't imagine he went into this and saw it as a paycheck movie i think he was gonna go i'm gonna turn the screws with this and so yeah um, because i mean from the i mean although there are elements of the trailer that obviously they're 
there are things that Blair Witch fans will completely recognise. Um, I don't know, like, yeah, I'm quite interested in this one too, because I just think there'll be a, a few changes, a few amendments and ads that, that will show us something a little bit different about the mythology behind it and from yeah. the first film. And, you know, really for me, Blair Witch was one of those films that started the whole handheld shaky cam uh, Renaissance, yeah. Yeah, that kind of, I think it's got a bit shit, <laughs> just like, I think it's got terrible, so I'm looking for a director to kind of bring it back and make it good again, and I think this could be, this could be a good, yeah. I'm well, actually looking forward to that one. One, one. one of the things that I did get excited about as well was the second series of Ash versus the Evil Dead, because I deeply fell in love with the first series of that, because it was beautiful, in that it was silly and gory and madcap, and it was exactly the kind of Evil Dead we've been lacking for the past, God, how 30 years or whatever. And- he is amazing. Bruce Campbell is brilliant. And that series is great. Like, I love how it's just, you know, they don't hold back, and it's just, no. it's fun. It just looks fun, and it is fun. You know, that whole season, we, we burned through season one. Yeah. Within days, it was like crack TV. It was so good. Oh, so it's- um, really looking forward to this one yeah and they've got lee majors playing his dad which is great the, you know the million dollar man <laughs> yes. and obviously uh oh god i keep forgetting her name xena warrior princess what's her name oh Luke, yeah she's back in it now and she's more of the team and ted Raimi, who famously appeared in all the evil dead films and various characters he's now playing ash's friend and i like the idea that he goes home to deal with this menace and people see him as a serial killer and a freak and so he's got that to deal with because you know he did just run off one day with his girlfriend who went missing <laughs> yeah, just kind of it comes back with like a kind of severed hand. And the other thing um, they excitingly mentioned as well was the fact that they can now mention within the show the Army of Darkness adventure because they couldn't do that for rights issues first time out, but now they can allude to it and mention it. So we're going to deal with that now, which I think is amazing. Bro, I, I can't. I actually can't wait. Also, I was reading that Bruce Campbell said that um, in this season they've got one of the worst deaths ever. Sounded quite good. Although I can't see how worse it's going to get than what we've seen already because well, it's a brilliant death. I will say the last three episodes of, the, of that first series in the cabin were amazing. That was like <laughs> such a great way to deal with that cabin because it made the cabin a complete bastard. It was an evil, horrible hum- kind of creature. And what it does to that blonde hitchhiker was yes. just <laughs> it's mind-blowing. So um, and I kind of like feel... It's it's great for us or people of a certain. Well, it's good for okay. So it's good for say millennials who didn't grow up with this um, these kind of films and TV, um, but also it's a throwback, a little bit of a throwback for like the seventies and eighties at the moment, which I'm really enjoying. Like Stranger Things on Netflix um, is case in point, and also Ash versus the Evil Dead again. Yeah, case in point. So there's a lot of kind of um, and there's a lot of, an array of directors right now that are. You know, kind of. We mentioned the guest earlier. Yeah. Um. There's also the film It Follows, and I watched film Starry Eyes a few months back. They all hark back to like the early '80s, '70s, those kind of films. Yeah. And I kind of like this throwback time. I'm, I'm kind of going to lap it up as much as possible until it goes away. Yeah. So to sum up, then, so yes. Comic Con's been put back in its box for another year. Um. Out of everything you saw this year, what was the one thing you go right? It was worth it for this. I got two things. Okay. And I did two. Yes, of course. Um, Wonder Woman for film. Excellent. And American Gods for TV. Excellent. I think for me, then, it might be Blair Witch and Ash versus Evil Dead. They were the two things that made me go, ooh, I got all fizzy. I think together, those four things that we both chose, amazing. I mean, I completely agree with you. There were other things we didn't mention, like King Arthur and Kong, Skull Island, whatever. Yeah. But these things were worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 
<laughs> Nothing yeah. to add, yeah. Um, <laughs> I just feel with um, Comic Con, it's one of those things like before at Comic Con happens, it's a big deal. Everyone's like, oh, what's going to happen this year? We pretty much know every year what the film and TV schedule is. Yeah. Kind of know what they're going to reveal, not reveal. Um, there are a few so, surprises, yeah. aren't there, really, now every year? Because you kind of understand. Apart from maybe Luke Besson's film, uh, Valerian, which uh, yes. everyone got excited about uh, based on a comic book uh, he grew up with in France. Uh, that was a brand new property. That was exciting. Uh, but everything else is just, it, it's a bit like you go there and Marvel and DC are Coke and Pepsi. They both sell millions. They're both well-respected brands. People know what they're getting, and it's only between them two who really care about the, you know, the fight. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? It's fine. I, I love it, and it's fine. And I, I kind of love to hate things as well. Like the Justice League. Oh, I love we to know. Bitch. Um, I love to bitch about stuff. Um, but you know, that's what people buy. That's what gets bums on seats. Yeah, it is. Bums, you know, and if you're a real pop culture geek, and everybody knows this, you know, you get there. Uh, watch all the stuff, see all the things, but you know, keep looking for the little hidden gems and indie stuff and unusual things because there's always strange and quirky and cool things that you know you don't read about online all the time. Yeah. So that's my advice to you, kids. Uh, yeah, kids, get down with what Claire's throwing. Oh God! <laughs> what? All right, okay, Claire, right, sign hashtag off. Hashtag old man. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> All right, Claire, if they want to follow you online or the social media, how can our lovely listeners do that? Well, I'm on weclaire.com, um, and that's my website, and I've got geeky monkey bits on there as well, um, and also other bits. And then Twitter, I'm just weclaire, and yeah, Facebook, I've got a new Facebook page. It's, my, it's just Wee World Blog. Um, just search for We World Blog. It's got mostly music stuff, but also pop culture things. I'm kind of, I've just done, I'm doing a post uh, that should go out by the time this podcast is out. It's just about Geeky Monkey issue 11. I've got a huge feature on the death of Superman Lives in this issue. I had so, a little look at that. It's very good, by the way. Yes. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you. Your Ghostbusters thing was very good as well. It was, yes. We're great. <laughs> we're just awesome. Our lives are fantastic. Yeah, we're just all farts now. That's the only problem. Uh, all right, Claire. Well, thank you again for joining us on the Geeky Monkey Podcast. We'll speak to you next time. And now, in a very slick manner, Paul, it's over to Paul. Thanks, Paul. You're great. So, <laughs> let's go into some news bits now. Where do we start? So... In the interim time between our last podcast and now, the big thing, the thing everyone's doing. I saw it yesterday in the, uh, a few days ago in the park, funnily enough. Yeah. Groups of people walking en masse, holding their phones to the ground. What do you think they were doing? Uh, they were poking their mum. They were poking their mum and going. <laughs> <laughs> Pokemon Go has become huge. Has it? Can I just say? Yeah. I d- I'm, not, I'm not trying to stop you mid-flow. Please do. Has it become huge? Yeah. Or... Have we just had nothing else to talk about other than a lot of people have downloaded an app? And uh, there's probably a bit of that, you know. <laughs> like it, it's hadn't. Yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah. No, no, but that's it. It's like it has become a phenomenon. Even though me and you might not be completely au fait with Pokemon, there has been a ton of news covering it as a result. The augmented reality means the idea of getting video gamers out of their house and strolling around and doing some exercise. Um, I know what you're about to do, and I'm going to introduce it for you. Oh, go on. This is Pokemon News. <laughs> Don't laugh, it's Pokemon battle theme on the Marimba. Shush. I don't know. Give me some Pokemon News. Sounds like Patrick Moore going at it. <laughs> hey, you re- here we go. Poke- right. Pokemon News. So, <laughs> in North America, Europe, Japan, Australia, this app is the most 
downloaded on the iOS and Android charts, right? Millions have been downloading it en masse. People who don't really care about video games have been getting into it. People walk their dogs and find a Charizard or Pikachu. And Eddie, Eddie Charizard. Yeah, Eddie Charizard. Um, the starter guides. There's a guy on BBC News today announcing he's caught all of them. Yeah. You know, it's big news. But as a result, here are some of the stories <laughs> that have covered Pokemon since it's come out. So Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign went out of its way to visit a Pokemon stop just to cover the people, just to get there. Um, what was she saying here? Yeah, she stopped at Lakewood, Ohio. And uh, Clinton was quoted as saying, I don't know who created Pokemon Go, but I'm trying to figure out how to get them to have Pokemon Go to the polls. You see what she did there? Yes, she leveraged something popular for her own good. Yeah, Although, you know, would you want to catch a little Clinton or maybe a, a Trump I think I got tested for, for Clinton before. <laughs> Trump Clinton does yeah. sound like the most horrible generic yeah. kind of <laughs> testicle disease. Story here. Um, two men fall off a cliff while chasing Pokemon. They deserved everything they, they got. They kind of do. They had to be rescued by lifeguards and firefighters after they were just blindly. You know, like you hear those stories about GPS people yeah. who just go turn left and they walk, drive into a wall or oh, into a okay. lake. Yes, computer. Yeah. Um, so they did that. They were too busy trying to catch this Pokemon to not realize there was a massive drop in front of them. Uh, luckily, no one died. Or otherwise, my laughter would seem callous. Uh, however, driver crashes car into a tree while driving whilst playing Pokemon Go. You're gonna, we're going to need a bigger gravestone. Uh, but to be fair, it was Snorax he was trying to get. Oh, I've heard he's good. So, you know, it happened in upstate New York, uh, crashed into a tree, luckily no death there. Uh, Pokemon Go has been barred from monuments and museums, also graveyards. They have to put rules out now saying, please do not, you know, sit on a gravestone. I've run out of music. Is there any more? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, so, yeah, do not, you know, leave trash. Do not. The rules yeah. that have come up now about Pokemon Social Go etiquette. etiquette. Yeah. yeah. Um, that hasn't stopped people marching through war memorials <laughs> trying to catch bloody Pokemon. Uh, police had to break up a Pokemon gathering in Australia because hundreds turned up to catch a rare one. There's footage as well online of Central Park in America where traffic came to a stop and police yeah. had to be called because hundreds of people all en masse went to Central Park These to try and catch one. In, in their later lives, are they going to be like uh, Nazis where they will... That's quite a leap. You went straight to Godwin's <laughs> Law there, didn't you? They're where they hide what they did in their younger years. They'll all sit around <laughs> going, no, I never did it. And there'll be the actual... The trouble is you could say that in the old days. The Pokemon from Brazil. Yeah, but now you're caught on video you'd be on the news yeah which is this is news I wonder if people would be ashamed of themselves maybe in the years to come but two quick stories then to end a dead body was found using the app oh. a little girl was looking for a Pokemon came across a lake and in that lake was face down a dead floating body they, they are littered everywhere yeah they are 19 year old woman came across a corpse uh, following an accidental death in shallow body of water and finally there's a service now that will catch Pokemon for you if you can't be asked. Love it. <laughs> they'll walk. They'll take. They'll literally go out, find you the Pokemon, and send it to your phone in some weird kind of app hackery. Sooner it's over and done with, the better. Got to catch them all, only if you want to. That was Pokemon news. Uh, okay, what else you want to talk about? Uh, San Diego Comic Con recently finished. Yeah. Uh, some news out of that. One of the big ones, uh, did you hear about the Killing Joke fracas? 
No, but if you hum it, I'll play it. Hey! Paul editing trombone <laughs> sound. <laughs> okay, so the killing joke, Alan Moore's killing joke about the genesis of the Joker, one of the most uh, seminal Batman stories out there. Yeah. It's seminal for a lot of reasons because it had an origin story for Joker. Also, uh, it's a graphic, miserable, dark story about the Joker basically proving to Batman that with one horrible day, you can become like him. Mm. And so uh, he kidnaps uh, Commissioner Gordon, puts him through psychological and torture hell, uh, shoots Barbara Gordon in the spine, crippling her. That's why she's in the wheelchair. Becomes she's the Oracle. Oracle. But yeah. uh, again, um, that's a whole thing. So it's this popular story. It also kind of made people reevaluate who Batman was and turn Batman from jokey crime fighter to the Dark Knight we all kind of think he is uh alan moore has either himself said that's not my best work and i kind of regret writing it that way because now i've seen what's come after and that was never my intention for batman anyway after years and years of people loving this comic book uh, graphic novel uh they've turned it into a movie they turned it into an animated movie with kevin conroy who did the voice in the original animated series and as the joker mark hamill yeah now when they dramatized it it came to about 40 odd minutes so they had to add more plot to it so what they did was, and quite rightly, they thought, well, Barbara Gordon, Batwoman, we should give her a bit of a character development, character role. Good for good for equal opportunities. Yeah. However, then what they did to that character was turn her into a pining mass of girly tropes who falls in love with Batman and Batman and Batwoman then have sex. And fans were livid because, and quite rightly so, it basically demeaned that character. The reviews coming out of it were saying uh, what you've done there is you've turned quite a strong character into a fawning uh, little fangirl who has sex with Batman and then he spurns her and then she becomes this kind of jilted lover, angry, uh, you know, fawning, pathetic excuse for a superhero. Yeah. So at Comic-Con, some journalists said, what do you say to this? And one of the creators, I can't remember his name, Azaro, Azaro, whatever his name is, one of the writers of the movie went, what did you say, pussy? <laughs> things got really ugly wow it's like UFC yeah. yeah and they had to wrap up the panel quite quickly and now the reviews have been coming out for Batman and they say the last half of it pretty good interpretation of the killing joke the first half utterly horrible misguided misjudged yeah. mess of a film and so it's kind of doing really badly on Rotten Tomatoes and now people are just kind of going well look here's the story of why they sh-. I mean when Barbara Gordon was shot it was for stakes right mm. Alan Moore again said he regretted it they had to work overtime to make her the Oracle because they were kind of like well, what, what have we done to this character here yeah. however when someone when I think Alan Moore asked the editor then of DC can I shoot Barbara Gordon this guy apparently said yeah just shoot the bitch right that's kind of the discord so I hope he said like Da bitch, like jokey no. gangster, rather than no shoot the bitch. I no. hope it was like yeah, da bitch. I think it was just one of those cases where it was like, who gives a fuck, mate? <laughs> so True. it yeah. was, it was, Not it moments. was horrible. It was a messy, messy thing. So yeah, killing joke out now in selected theaters. Out now also on Blu-ray and DVD. If you want to get it, get it. Give us your opinions. Get in touch with us and tell us on Twitter what you thought. But by and large, people have not been happy, even hardcore Batman fans. Next Comic-Con story I really like, uh, a guy who's on a channel on YouTube called Tested does special effects. Yeah. And he decided what it looked like if Lego minifigs were humans. I haven't watched this yet. I saw the, uh, the picture of him. It's creepy. Like skin-coloured Lego man. With the hands, with the yeah. kind of clo- lobster hands. Yeah. Oh, he was walking around the whole thing freaking people out. And you look at it and it is unsettling. But isn't it? Isn't it funny, though, that yellow is an acceptable cartoon character colour? Mm. Simpsons and Lego, yeah, the two sort of case in points. And actually, if you cut, when you colourise the Simpsons, it's... When, you, when you load up, when you take... Try, oh, this, yeah, try this at home. Try this at home, right? 
Go to Google Images, yeah. The Simpsons, yeah. drag that into your Photoshop, and then with your paint tool, just click the yellow and it will p- uh, paint it flesh colour. You could do one better than that. Yeah. There's a guy who uh, is an artist who, I can't remember the name, I have to do the research for this, but basically he said, what would it be like if you took cartoon characters, video game characters and made them flesh-like? So he yeah. made a flesh-human-looking Homer and his nightmare fuel. <laughs> he did Mario as well and all these characters and you just go, Ugh. if you want to see this Lego figure anyway, go to YouTube and look for Tested, the channel there. It's a great, it's Adam Savage from Mythbusters. He's part of that channel. Yeah. It's a great uh, science SFX kind of channel where they look at drones and gadgets and all also special effects in movies. Fascinating channel. You can find the video there. Uh, next news, and um, we just talked about this because it's brand new, hot off the press, if press was a thing that happens now. The Rocketeer getting a sequel. Get in! You're very excited. I am. I like The Rocketeer. I, I hope they set it in 1997. No, it's going to be set six years later, apparently. Oh. No one knows if they're going to bring back the original cast. They will not bring back the original cast because I think Billy Campbell now is like, what, 50-odd? I'm not saying they couldn't. I would like to see that. I don't see why. If you imagine, yeah, where was the Rocketeer supposed to go in his life? Up. <laughs> Literally. But once you're the Rocketeer, you're always the Rocketeer. Yeah. You're stuck with it for the rest of your life. Yeah. Well, we know you're not allowed to retire. Yeah, but... Superheroes cannot retire. No one needs to see Last of the Summer Rocketeer. No one needs that. <laughs> we saw Indiana Jones 5 and all that stuff that's coming out and Die Hard 20. Yeah. There's going to be a certain time when you just gracefully hand the reins over. So who is the new Rocketeer? We don't know. No one knows yet. I mean, they have got new writers on board and they don't know a director yet. Writers are Max Winkler and Matt. Spicer, and uh, that's all we know at this, this moment. This is not Disney hoping for a new franchise. Probably, this cannot be a franchise. Well, it's it's a comic no. book movie. Yeah, exactly. It's minority filler, so that you're not just known for Star Wars. Possibly, but I mean, look, the thing is, Joe Johnson, who directed the original movie went on to do the first Captain America movie. Mm-hmm. Possibly he might come back. That'd be nice. We know he can do 40s pulp nostalgia action films. Yeah. Why not get him back to the sequel? Anyway, so that's exciting, because I really like The Rocketeer. I like it. Timothy too. Dalton playing a great Nazi. A great na- textbook he, yeah, Nazi. He's, Timothy Dalton is better as a bad guy. Oh, Some yeah. actors actually are better. Yeah, he's great in Penny guy. Dreadfuls, and he's great in, um, what was it, Hot Fuzz? Yes, yeah. Hot Fuzz. Uh, yeah. Take it or leave it in Doctor Who. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't really that. Oh bothered. yeah, he yeah, played the um, yeah. yeah Omega. No, yeah, um, who's he played? Rassilon. Rassilon. Yeah, yeah. It was a bit hammy. Yeah, but it's fine. It was a celebration I party. Like my for... ha- yeah, I like my ham without Timothy Dalton in it. All right, where shall we go? I'll tell you what we'll end on today. Yeah, then, because something that we're both. Oh, this is the last in. bit. Here we go. Yeah, if you've been with us so far, strapping it's nearly over. Yeah, we're gonna get groovy. Red Dwarf Eleven oh, on yes. the horizon. Yes. Coming out in September on Dave, the repeat channel extraordinaire. <laughs> I will watch any old crap they make from Red Dwarf. You're a Red Dwarf. I mean, I used to be a huge Red yeah, Dwarf fan. but I'll, I'll watch it and then not be one of those that goes, oh, Series 4 was marginally uh, better than Series 3. I think you're fine. I don't care. No. Give me that. I love the characters. I, yeah. You know, it's nostalgia value for me. They can keep making that until they're dead. Which and, sounds very likely. Yeah, at the moment. and I will, I will gobble it up because it uh, is one of the very few shows... You know, Red Dwarf came out in 1987. Christ. Three years after Ghostbusters. Yeah. And it's funny, I hadn't done it just now, but you take a parallel, Mm. Ghostbusters and Red Dwarf. Contractually, I'm not obliged to talk about Ghostbusters anymore. (laughs) So you're leading this. You you parallel, I was going to say you paralyze. You (laughs) you parallel Ghostbusters and Red Dwarf. Startling amount of uh, similarities. Peril situation every week. Yeah. All incompetent. Good, 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 but incompetent. Four blokes against the world. Yeah, 
there's not a minority female character. Yeah. Well, um, Kachansky. Yeah. And then later female Holly. I yeah. Ju- I just think I don't know that it was necessarily a, a specific inspiration, but what what I like is that it's a gang. It's an ensemble piece. And again, you didn't really get ensemble movies until Ghostbusters. I would respectfully that, that, disagree. That on that scale, uh, on that, that's what I mean. That was the the big one. I know what you're getting at. Actually, I do know what you mean. I mean, you... where you go, it's four characters. It's not a guy. It's not a main character. Yeah. And then there are others. This was four a dudes. Team, yeah. Four dudes that you screwed over together hmm. for comedy value and see how they get on. Yeah. I'll give you that then. You know, yeah, you had loads of movies that had multiple cast. Yeah. But I mean, a pack. Yeah, a rat pack. Red Dwarf comes as a pack and that's what I like. I feel one of the gang and I always will do. Well, they've put a series, they filmed 11 and series 12 back to back. Yeah. And they're releasing, obviously, series 11 this year and then I think early next year, season 12 comes out. Yeah. I like that they've gone the way, the way that a lot of TV shows do when they've been treading the ground for ages. They yeah. go, let's do a character based episode. Yeah. And theme it around that and see how we get on. Because as a writer, you can't pull stuff out of your ass all the time. No. You know, you know what I mean? You, because you can tell. You can tell. I mean, what did you think of season 10? Because there were lots of it I liked and lots of it I thought were misjudged. I loved it. We'll watch it again and again and again. Yeah. Because why not? You, you watch it. It's, it's 27 minutes of filler. It's 27 minutes of spending time with people that you like. Yeah, true. If you're really craning over it, you're taking it too seriously. Yeah, I mean... You, the... If you don't make the show, don't take it that seriously. It, 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 it's enjoyment for you. I mean, it is a sitcom, fundamentally. Well, when exactly. all things are removed. Yeah. It's situation comedy, and it happens to be in space. If it doesn't make you laugh, don't watch it. Yeah. I don't want a 12-page blog on how you would fix the bloody show. Just don't watch it. <laughs> you get a lot of that. Yeah, because it's but it's, en- it's entertainment. If it's not entertaining you anymore, guess what? Either you change or the show changed. Move on, man. Mm. Uh, so I'll on. give you a quick rundown on the, some of the storylines they've got. So Rimmer accidentally saves the life of a space corps captain and therefore gets promoted. That's one. Cat falls in love with a female cat. Lister wakes up to discover a crazy robot has stolen some of his body parts. Okay, so there they are. Crichton ponders whether or not to lead the crew for a young crew. And finally, the boys land in alternative America where technology is outlawed. So... America a year from now when Trump gets yeah. in. <laughs> so, yeah, so, but somebody will be ranking those. Pardon? Well, somebody will be ranking those going, this is guaranteed to be the best episode. You don't know. You just don't know. Get, out, get off the internet and go and, uh, you know. Well, luckily, if you do like Red Dwarf, the latest edition of Geeky Monkey magazine has nothing but Red Dwarf goodness on it. All over the front cover. Interview I want with... it. I want it so bad. Robert Clewellen. We'll get you one. I need I, a copy of that. I know the editor of the mag, you know, apparently. But, but if you'd have said to me, if you'd have given me, like... Uh, the, those appraisals of episodes yeah. before every series, I would have gone, it just doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Just give it to me. Make it's, me laugh. it's new Red Dwarf. That doesn't happen. There's plenty of people. Like, there's never going to be a new, a new series of Shoestring. You're never going to get Juliet Bravo. <laughs> well, here's the other thing as well. If I'd sat down and said, brand new series of, uh, only, uh, of I don't know, Last of Summer Wine. Let me give you a plot rundown. Yeah. Roll down the hill on the bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Fall down some steps yeah. with Nora Batty's knickers. It doesn't matter because the, sit- the way that sitcoms are built is you just enjoy the universe they're in. Yeah, you uh, always have to go back yeah. to status quo. There's always that set of resetting. Yeah. It's just repeat and rinse. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it anyway. I can't wait, mate. I'm ready for it. I need All right. it now. So with that in mind, it's time to say au revoir. 
for another episode of the Geeky Monkey Podcast. Uh, the magazine is out now on the shelves. It's all Red Dwarf special interviews with the cast and crew. Uh, I've got an interview with Paul Feig in there and the review. Oh, oh, check me out. Well, you did it too. I wasn't bragging about it. Yeah, but you can find it. <laughs> you know, I'm not, just in the mag. Uh, there's all kinds of great stuff in there, as usual. It's a great Geeky magazine. Uh, you can go to uh, follow us on at Geeky Monkey Magazine or at the Geeky. I should Mate, check you don't even know. Look, just search. <laughs> hey, you know what works these days, kids? Use the internet. Just type in Geeky Monkey Twitter, you'll find I it. I just closed my notes then. That was a ridiculous thing. I got cocky. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, yeah. Well, you'll find We're, it. Go to the website. Fine. It's um, all on the website. And if you like this podcast, subscribe and rate on iTunes or whatever independent. I can't speak, or whatever independent podcast app you use. Uh, anytime you rate us, uh, it helps us come up above the flots of injection so we can be recognised and seen on the iTunes store. Yeah, That's how it works. Love it. Yeah, please do, if you if you like it. So you can follow me at Paul Gannon Show. And Damien, where can they find you? Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter. Let's go. Nobody will follow me from this. But you don't know. No, I, well, I, I tell follow you. What, if you follow me, tell me you followed me from the Geeky Monkey All right, podcast. cool. And we'll if, find if out. You, if you're going to jump through those hoops, All right. uh, you can find me on Twitter at Damien St. John to spell it it'll come out <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, so with that in mind au revoir don't have nightmares just have great looking hair 